Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Well, last Sunday of 2020, we made it. We're here. And uh, if we haven't met before, then like Aaron said, my name is Ollie and uh, part of the team here. A little bit about me. I'm 29, so I'm just on the edge of 30. I'm a little bit scared, actually. I don't know what's going to happen. I've been living in the 20s. It's been a good kind of nine years, but I'm ready for that next year. And I am married to my amazing wife. She is smarter than me, more charming than me, and way prettier than me, which I'm sure you're not finding hard to believe in this moment right now. And she's actually at North today emceeing, so I hope she's doing well. And she's really cool. So if you see me with a girl that looks way out of my league holding my hand in worship, that's her, or it should be, definitely. It is, I can guarantee. It is her. It's going to be awesome. Hey, one, give it up for these guys. They can go take a seat. It's too good. Well, I hope you had a good Christmas. And uh, enjoying it. I'm, I'm house-sitting up on the Whangaparoa Peninsula, and so 6 a.m. this morning, my first morning up there, I was in the ocean. That was my, that was my one commitment. I, I did think about making a commitment that I was going to swim every morning of the holidays, and then I went in this morning, and I decided maybe I'll do the first morning and the last morning and just, you know, split the difference. But uh, Christmas was a good time. It was a great time. Hopefully, you had some time with loved ones. You got to talk to some people. And I was in here on Christmas Day, great service. And we went to our family Christmas. And I noticed something funny this year at our family Christmas. I don't know if it's just happened, if it's a Christmas time thing, but it still shook me a little bit. And that is that my mum got a new key ring. Now, why does a key ring bother me? Why does it confuse me? It was because the key ring that she had had immense sentimental value to me. I don't know if anyone else can relate to this, but when I was little, we used to go around to our friend's house on a Saturday night for a family barbecue, and all the kids would go into a room, and we'd be heads down, playing with toys, having a great time. The adults would be in the adult room talking about economics and interest rates and all the adult things, and we'd be there for a few hours, and then all of a sudden, you'd hear from down the hall the sound of keys being picked up. And you could have four different families represented in a group of 10 or 12 kids, but one group of kids, just one family would all of a sudden look up. They'd have the meerkat experience with the kind of like ears prick up. The rest of us didn't hear a thing, but that family would notice. And I don't know if there's been any scientific studies on this, so I'm not claiming the fact, but I reckon we had about a 90% hit rate at knowing the sound of our keys. We'd be like, oh, our time to go. That's our mum. And there was something about that set of keys, the characteristics, maybe the way she picked it up, maybe the amount of keys that she had, maybe it's just the way it sounded or the, the way that she, but it had a characteristic and a sound that we recognized. Have you ever been in like a dog park where there's just carnage? We've got friends in Australia and, and they've got a little Boston Terrier and he's awesome, but they go to Boston Terrier clubs where there'll be 50 of these dogs and they all look the same. And they're just running around, absolute carnage. All the owners are standing to the side. But as soon as they whistle, that dog comes running. And dog owners are funny, right? Because they're all like, oh, I have my individual whistle. No, you don't. It all sounds the same. It's the same whistle. You think it's unique, but you get lazy. And in the end, it's just the same couple of sounds. But the dog knows the sound of that whistle. You know, as Christians, 
We have characteristics, a sound of our life that is unique and is something that is recognizable. There are characteristics that are meant to be attached to who we are that don't just make us sound a certain way, but they actually empower us and enable us to live what God has for us. Now, Galatians talks about it, and it lays out two sets of characteristics. It lays out the characteristics of the flesh, or the characteristics of the world, of the things that are just living in the now. And then it has the characteristics of the spirit, the characteristics of the eternal, the characteristics of God. And it says this about the characteristics of the flesh. The acts of the flesh are obvious. It says there's sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, uh, dissension, factions, and every junk, drunkenness, orgies, and alike. Fairly full-on language. That's the leaning of the flesh, the characteristics of the flesh. Now, Pastor Erin is a lot more holy than me. I think we can all agree with that. So she probably doesn't struggle with these as much as I do. Maybe you don't. But I know that in my worst moment, I know that left to my own devices, my natural tendency in the flesh is to lean into those characteristics. Maybe not all of them, but definitely a number of them. Leaning into selfish ambition. Leaning into acts of rage. Leaning into hatred. Leaning into these things that satisfy my flesh characteristic and not my spirit characteristic. And then it goes on in Galatians and it tells us the characteristics that we are to have or we would have as the fruit of the Spirit as Christians. It says this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, there is no law. So we have the characteristics of the flesh and we have the characteristics of the spirit, the godly things. And I don't know exactly where you would fit on that scale, but what I can tell you is that I know that the enemy will actively work to try and push you away from the characteristics and the fruit of the spirit and lean you into the characteristics of the flesh. And I believe that as we step into 2021, as we step into all that God has for us, I can't tell us what that year will look like, but I can tell us that as, as if we step in and lean into the fruit of the Spirit and lean into the characteristics of God, we can take whatever is coming. And so today I want to talk about a specific characteristic, one that I believe, if not one of the top, it's one of the, the key characteristics for us as Christians to carry that will enable us and empower us to step into all that God has for us in 2021. This morning, I want to talk about joy. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to get stuck in. So why don't you pray with me? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, worshiping together. God, we thank you for 2020 and all that it's had, the ups and the downs. God, we thank you that you've been a part of every single moment. And as we hear on the last Sunday of 2020, we pray that you would speak to us, prepare our hearts for everything you have for us as we step into this new year. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever met someone who's lost their joy? At our Christmas function as a family this year, we had the family uh, having a new baby, and so we had a gender reveal party as a part of our Christmas function with our wider family. And everyone was really excited. I mean, the, the grandparents are excited. The aunties and uncles are excited. I've got little nieces that were there. They were so excited. Everyone was taking bets on 
what it was. Is it a boy? Is it a girl? What's going to happen? My uncle, he went and got a bunch of helium balloons, and he put them in quite a large basket off the ground. The idea was when the basket was opened, the balloons would bounce up and everyone would celebrate for the photo because who knows, gender reveals are 90% about the Instagram photo that's going to be posted later. And so we get there and everyone's so excited. The cousins are excited. Like I said, my niece is standing at the front of the crowd waiting. My nan is there. She's 93. She doesn't quite understand what's happening, but she's excited. Everyone's kind of waiting in anticipation. And then the moment comes and the lid gets lifted and nothing happens. It's too tall to see inside. Everyone was ready with the chair and we're all just waiting. And then slowly this balloon <laughs> kind of poked its head out. It's got like Wilson off Home Improvement, you know, like kind of there, kind of not. And then another one comes up and it decides to go back down. Not for me, not for me. And there's kind of this, yay. So what we didn't realize is that the helium balloons only had 12 hours of life in them. And we were at hour 28. So it was a bit of a, a letdown moment. But that wasn't really where the joy was lost. It was actually lost in my little niece. See, she's three. She's full of energy. Everything is awesome. She loves life. And I saw her and I was like, Ruby, what's wrong? She's just standing there looking confused. And the balloon was up. We had all celebrated. And she still just kind of looked confused. Then she started to look a little bit annoyed, a little bit disappointed, looking at people, looking a little bit judgy. So we went over and like, are you all right? What's going on? Are you excited? You know, is it the baby? She's like, yeah, but where is it? <laughs> all day long. Everyone had been saying to her, today we're going to find out what the baby is. So she had been going past the basket all day, talking to the baby, <laughs> waiting for the baby listening for the baby, and it didn't come out. And this joyful, happy kid was just heartbroken. I mean, it was the worst betrayal she had ever experienced. People who lose their joy. I wonder if you've ever met someone who loses their joy. You know, for me, I've got some things in my life that I identified as almost like little red flags for myself. Things that I know that if I start drifting into these zones. Maybe it's just a sign that maybe my joy is wavering. And I want to share them with you today, and maybe they'll be a, a red flag for you. Maybe you'll know people that are like this. Maybe you'll identify this in your own life, and that's not a bad thing. That's a self-awareness thing. The first thing I recognize when people have lost their joy is we lose meaning in the small. We lose meaning in the small. What was once an opportunity becomes an obligation. What was once an opportunity becomes an obligation. What was once the job opportunity that I loved and I had an opportunity to work hard, an opportunity to be part of the team. Now it's an obligation that I'm the one that has to stay behind and clean up the mess or I'm the one that has to put in the extra hours. Maybe in your marriage, if the joy starts going out of your marriage, what once is an opportunity, I tell you what, three years into marriage, one of the things I love to do is get up and, and get Nikki coffee before she wakes up. And have it, I know, aren't I amazing? <laughs> it happens maybe one out of 10 times, but there's a lot of good intention. <laughs> but it's an opportunity. But when the joy goes out, what was once an opportunity starts becoming an obligation. Well, I should do this. Well, whose job is this? 
Whose responsibility is it? Well, if you, if you do that, I'll do this. In my life here, I came in as a student. My job in 2017, 20, no, 2009, wow. 2009, when I first started coming to life as a student, my job between services was to clean the toilets and vacuum before the next service. The question for me today, doing other things and carrying slightly different responsibilities, is when everyone leaves, am I still as willing as today to pick up that bit of rubbish and clear the toilets and do the vacuuming as I was back then? Is it opportunity or is it obligation? Second thing that I see in myself and maybe you see in yourself when I am losing joy is I become dissatisfied with the current season. Now, don't get me wrong. In the middle of July, I am like anyone. I am praying summer in. I am buying boardies that are on special. I am getting sunglasses. I'm getting ready for summer in winter, and I am praying it in, and that is totally fine. But where it goes wrong is when we don't recognize what God is doing today. Maybe this year has been that for you, 2020. It's just been a matter of getting through and waiting for the next season. But here's the thing. God can't use your tomorrow. But if you give Him today, whatever it looks like, He will use it. So many of us live in a place because we're in a season of disappointment or a hard season. Maybe you've even put yourself into that position where you feel like you've made some mistakes that might have disqualified you for a while. And so the mindset is, well, tomorrow... In the next season, God, you'll be able to use me. God cannot use tomorrow, but he wants to use you today. Zacchaeus, it says, Zachariah, sorry, says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise the day where maybe it's not exactly how you thought it would look. Maybe 2020 hasn't been the year that you thought it would be. Maybe you're not in the financial position you thought you'd be in or the career that you thought you'd be in or the security that you thought you'd have. Can I tell you that today, God doesn't want to use you tomorrow. He wants to use now. And if you would just offer it to Him, He would take it and use it. The next one is this, the last one, is this. We lose value in individuals. We lose value in the individuals. I've got a great friend, Andrew. We had dinner just the other night. And what I love about Andrew is he is passionate about this whole idea that every single person he meets is a VIP. Every single person he meets deserves his absolute best, whether it be in business or in personal relationships or here in church, every single person counts. You know, when we lose joy, what once was an absolute privilege to serve someone as a VIP becomes a toss-up of how valuable do I think the return on this moment will be? Do I believe that the investment in this relationship is worth my time. We, stop, we start losing joy in people. You know, Jonah was one of these guys. He was a prophet in the Old Testament, and God called him to do something. And in the end, he ended up doing it out of obligation, not opportunity. And he goes to Nineveh, and he's told by God to help the people have a moment of repentance, let them know that God needs them to return back to him, a special, sacred message to deliver. And he goes in, and as he starts telling people, people start turning back to God, and it's this beautiful moment. And Jonah cannot see the beauty in the moment with people. Because he has no joy in what he's doing, he loses sight of the individual. Man, we all know people who lose joy. But I know in my life, I need to have little things that would pop up as flags that would go, hold on. Do I still have joy? Do I still have these areas Working out well. So what is joy? 
Well, joy in the Bible and the language of the Bible is really simple. It's one of those great things. It's not some weird extra kind of in-depth description. Joy in the Hebrew and the Greek translates to joy. It's great. It, it really does. It translates to just having a firm foundation of security and happiness and an overflow. But what it really comes down to is where our joy is found in, what our foundation is. You know, Nikki and I, we, uh, we're in the privileged position, and it is a privileged position to be in the first home buyer's market. However, the first home buyer's market is a treat. Anyone else out there? Come see me afterwards, we'll start a support group. There's nothing more I love on my Saturdays than walking into other people's homes and realizing I can't have it. Tell you the best one is when you'd walk up or drive up to the house and you go, oh, there must be a party in the neighbor's place because there's 30 or 40 people and then you realize, no, that's the open home. You look at the cars that the people have been driving and you look at your car and you just keep driving. <laughs> Come on Sundays just to get refreshed so that next Saturday you can hit it all over again. <laughs> and we went to see this one house and it came up on Trade Me and it had an asking price. It hadn't gone at auction, okay? First of all, in this market, that's the first red flag. All right, let me just tell you, anyone who's looking, that's a red flag. Didn't go to auction. But naively, I was like, maybe no one saw it. Maybe God hid it from everyone <laughs> except my eyes. So after a day of work, we drove to this house and it was amazing. It was 200 meters from the beach. Second red flag. Three bedroom, newly renovated. I got there and I called the agent because I'd organized with him to come. I was like, hey, I'm here. He's like, ah, oh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to make it. Third red flag, by the way. That is the third red flag. Okay, if the agent doesn't come, I was like, well, how am I getting in? He's like, oh, it's unlocked. At that point, get in the car, drive home. Okay, you're just wasting time. And I went in, I walked in, I was walking on the new wooden floor and I was like, oh, this is a bit bouncy. Maybe it's like one of those spring floors that they have in basketball gyms. Like, what I realized is that when they put down the new wood floor, they left the carpet underlay underneath. And so the floor just had a bit of a bounce to it. And I was like, okay, I can live this, with this. One day we'll have a kid, and if I accidentally drop said kid, a lot safer. This is actually an improvement. I can sell this. I got Nikki on board with the carpet. And we started walking down. And as I was walking down the house, I started feeling a sense of vertigo. Like nothing was quite, it's like, man, I'm not feeling well. As I walked into one of the rooms, I was walking normally, and all of a sudden, I sped up. <laughs> I was like, hold on. They had a tennis ball in the car. I put the tennis ball down and just watched it roll <laughs> down the length of the house and kind of circle into the middle of a room. I realized that the house didn't sell at auction for a very good reason. I looked underneath, and... The house was just all off. I had a builder come have a look at it, and it, it, was, it was hugely off, and the house was crooked, and the pilings weren't right. We realized that there was a creek bed running behind the house, and because the pilings hadn't been done right, the foundations weren't strong, and the house over time had become crooked. You know, you can have all the things that look good on the outside. You can have the renovated life. You can have the right position, but if foundations are not strong, the long-term value of our life will go backwards. And the sad thing about that house is someone has clearly put a lot of time to make it look right, but the value is going back. 
And you know, when it comes to our joy, it's important for us to make sure it is on the right foundation. For many of us, we naturally put our joy in the foundations of the flesh. My joy is in my job. My joy is in my career. Joy even sometimes in good things. My joy's foundation is my family, is my kids, is my spouse, is my calling. But if 2020 has taught us anything, it's that the things of this world are but a vapor. That in a moment, an economy can change. That in a second, a secure job becomes fraught with insecurity. Here in New Zealand, we haven't been largely touched by COVID, but in our life, because we have family in America, we, we were part of one of the families that has lost someone to COVID. That in 12 hours, going from being in recovery to taking their last breath in a moment. If anything has taught us, if anything God has taught us in 2020, 2020, it's this, that everything in this world moves. And we need to be sure that our joy is found and its foundation is in not flesh things, but in eternal things. What Galatians say, it said it's the fruit of the Spirit. What is the Spirit? The Spirit is truth. It's eternal. It's everlasting. The flesh will fade, but the Spirit stays. So I want to talk about really quickly two things. I want to talk about, first of all, what does having joy on the right foundation do for us? And secondly, how can we make sure that our foundations are going deep? So here it is, first one. First thing joy, people who have joy in the right foundations have is they have resilience. They're strong. Nehemiah 8 verse 10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's your strength. It's strong. Have you ever met anyone who's just a joyful person? They can be going through the hardest times, the toughest times, and you can say to them, hey, how are you doing? Because you want to be a consoling friend. And they're still like, man, you know what? It's tough, but God is good. It's full on, but I'm great. I'm pushing through. There was an amazing interview done from an American World War II veteran. He was a veteran of both World War II and the Korean War. And he was asked, who are the best, strongest soldiers in the world? Who have you, you fought alongside? And he said, well, the British, you know, they, they can kind of get through anything, grit their teeth and just survive. So the Canadians, they're resourceful. The Americans, well, we're, you know, we're great because, you know, they're great. <laughs> they really are, Nikki. I love America. So, but the strongest soldiers I've ever fought with are the New Zealand and Australians, the Anzacs. I know, right? <laughs> then if you asked him why, he said, because when everyone else was ducking for cover and scared, when the shells were coming over, when gunfire was happening, when their mates were being killed next to them, they found joy in every moment. They're the only soldiers I've ever seen who will be laughing while being shelled. I don't know what that says about us. <laughs> Here's the point. Here's the point. People who have joy have strength. They have the ability to push through. They have resilience. Joy is not a fluffy thing. It's our strength. In 2021, we don't know what's coming, but we may need some strength. We may need some strength. Step two, number two, People who have resilience have amazing, people who have joy have amazing perspective. They see God in every moment. They see the opportunity in everything that's taking place. I love the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul who wrote so much of the New Testament. And in 2 Corinthians, 
he's writing and he says this, I'm known yet regarded as unknown. I'm dying yet I live. I'm beaten yet I'm not killed. I'm sorrowful yet I am always rejoicing. I am poor yet I have many, yet making many rich. And I have nothing yet I possess everything. I'm poor in the flesh but rich in the spirit. I'm beaten in the flesh, but I'm not dying. People who have joy in the right foundations have perspective that goes beyond the natural. They see beyond the now. They see what's happening in the eternal. And you and I need to be able to walk into 2021 and whatever comes our way, be able to see with God's eye, what are you doing in this moment? We need to have the perspective of the psalmist in Psalm 30 that says, though there is sorrow, we're not denying that in the flesh there's hard times, that it is terrible, that this year has been tough. And although that's going on and although there is sorrow in the night, the joy comes in the morning. I see the joy. It's still here. Last one is this. People who have joy in the right foundations have margin. They have something to give. When I carry joy, I have room for others. You know, Jesus was sitting on the cross in his worst moment. And in his worst moment, in the worst pain he's experienced, feeling distant from God, feeling distant from everyone, a stranger turns to him and says, don't forget me. And Jesus turns to him in his worst moment and he offers him hope. He says, this day, you'll join me in paradise. Hebrews 12 tells us that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him. The joy of God's heart for you and I. The joy of having relationship and restored relationship with every single one of us. When we have joy in the right foundations. We're strong and resilient. We have the perspective of heaven and we have margin to give. I don't know what 2021 will hold, but I wanna have margin to give. I wanna see what God's doing and I wanna be strong and resilient that when the enemy tries to take me out, I'll stand. So I'll leave us with this, three thoughts on how we can go deep this year in the last few minutes that we have. The first one is this, let's commit to dwell. Let's commit to dwell in His presence. Psalm 16 says, it's in your presence that I find the fullness of joy. In your presence I find fullness of joy. When we worship, you notice that all our songs aren't just saying, Jesus, you're great, Jesus, you're great, Jesus, you're great. Often our songs are singing truth about Him. Why? Because God needs to be reminded? No, because we need to be reminded. And when we sing those words, what we're doing is we're elevating spirit above flesh. In that moment, we're elevating the truth of who He is above the reality of maybe my current situation. Worship is powerful. I love this quote from Jürgen Matthias. He says, what you sing, you bring. What you sing in, you bring in. There's powerful things that happen in our worship. 
and then powerful things that happen in the Word. I love this quote from D.L. Moody. He says this, he says, I've prayed for faith and thought that someday faith would come down and strike me like lightning, but faith never seemed to come. Then one day I read in the 10th chapter of Romans that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I had up to this time closed my Bible and prayed for faith. Now I chose to open my Bible, and as I began to study, faith began to grow in me. Dwell in His presence. Dwell in His Word. You want to hear the voice of God? Open His Word. You want to grow your joy? Get in His Word. Listen to the stories. Listen to His promises. Second thing is this. 2021, commit to dwelling. Second thing, commit to connecting. Hebrews 10 tells us to don't, not to forsake the gathering together of the saints. Don't forsake coming together like some have begun to do. There is power in the community of coming together. You may have amazing friends outside of this place. Let me tell you though, if they are not rooted in the things of God, they cannot give you what they do not have. And there are moments where we need the faith of others to come alongside and breathe into our lives. And moments where we need the joy of someone to come along and lift us up. It can't sustain us, but it can be a breath of fresh air. And we need to commit to being in the house of God. Commit to relationships. 2021, if you are not in clear Christian relationships, I'm not saying disregard your other ones, but I'm saying pray in and find some relationships in this house. Get into a connect group. Get into environments where others can begin to lift you up and you can begin to gleam off them. And the final one is this, 2021, commit to dwelling, commit to connecting, commit to confessing. Nehemiah chapter eight, Lord is my strength. The story and context of it is you've got the people of Israel who have come back to Jerusalem and they're rebuilding the wall. They're rebuilding what has been destroyed. And for the first time in many years, the prophet Ezra comes and he begins to read the Word of God and the law. And they have this moment where they realize how far away they are from the goodness of who God is. And they begin to weep and to cry. And Ezra comes along and he says, don't cry, instead celebrate. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. What are they saying? He's saying, don't let the realization of how far away you are from God cause you to feel guilty or upset. Instead, let it be a testament to you of how much God loves you. Hey, Christian, whether you've been a Christian for 18 minutes or 18 years or 80 years, when was the last time you came back to the joy of your salvation? When you come back to the moment where you just, again, God, give me a fresh revelation of how good you are, how much you love me, how far you went for me. There's power in the confession. So this morning, we're just gonna take a couple of minutes and we're gonna worship. My prayer for 2021 for all of us is that as we step into all that God has for us, that our foundations would be not on the flesh, but deep in the eternal things. 
And that as you step into this year, the joy of the Lord would be our strength. But it starts with dwelling, connecting, confessing. No matter how far you feel away from God, there is power in dwelling, connecting, and confessing who He is. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you were encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at any of our Auckland campuses. If you're not in Auckland, then check us out, church online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifenz.org or download the Life app to stay connected and find out more.